You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. With me today is Stephen Payne, also known as Farmer Steve, who's the resident farmer and garden teacher at Sacramento Waldorf School in California. He has a degree in business marketing from Central Connecticut State University and 10 years of experience in organic farming plus five years of experience as a market garden business owner. Steve came to Sac Waldorf in 2001, where he lives on the property, manages the farm, and teaches children of all ages and grades in a hands-on curriculum on a three-and-a-half-acre farm that is part of a gorgeous campus. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Steve. Glad to be here. I'm Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, I'm so thrilled you were available. I loved being out at your school. Um, I loved walking along the farm and just... Um, just the possibilities that that I could see. I mean, I came home and I told my husband, I wish I could enroll. I'm, I'm a little old, but I wish I could because it just seems like such a joy to expose children to the possibilities of working with the earth as part of their learning and their childhood. So I wonder if we could start our conversation with you sharing with our listeners how you came to farming in the first place. Take me back on that journey. Uh, sure. Uh, I had at one point decided that I um, wanted to work outdoors, be a little bit closer to um, physical labor that I'd always enjoyed in the past. Uh-huh. And I had a new resounding interest in uh, healthy eating uh, and was a bit concerned with the monocrop, conventional, commercial, agricultural uh, of raising animals and uh, the chemicals that are used in row crops on fruits and vegetables and thought, maybe I should give this a try. Uh, sure. So it was an inner impulse that made me knock on a farmer's door just a few <laughs> miles from my parents' home and ask for a job. Wow. Wow. So what was that like? I mean, what kind of work did you start doing on the farm? Well, it was interesting. Um because it is a upstate New York uh, farm about an hour from Manhattan. Okay. And they primarily focused on vegetable production with berries. And twice a week, we brought our produce down to the green market on um, 17th and Broadway uh-huh. at Union Square. Uh-huh. And he was one of the first organic farmers to have started at that market. And it's, that's the largest farmer's market at that time in uh, the Manhattan area. Wow, impressive. That's really fabulous. And so one thing that was immediately um, rewarding is I felt like I was being exposed to so much learning that I had never experienced prior that I just, I could sense the, the tremendous growth going through just one season yeah. um, there in New York. Yeah. So 
I know that there is a connection between Rudolf Steiner's teachings and writings and um, farming. I don't know what it is, and I'd like you to share with our listeners, um, in case they don't know what a Waldorf school is or who Rudolf Steiner was, um, what is that connection between farming and education? And then how does it play out um, at Sacramento Waldorf School? Yeah, that's that's an interesting sort of um, beginning, birth. Uh, a gentleman, um, an Austrian gentleman, um, in the nineteenth, uh, um, well, it would be the eighteenth century, early nineteen hundreds, was um, lecturing and educating in Europe, and was approached by a um, private company after the end of World War One, and Germany was in a bit of disarray and was asked to start a school for the company's employees. Mm-hmm. And he was happy to do so. He was well known in the area for his um, philosophy and uh, educational lectures. Uh-huh. And he had just a couple of three main points uh, that he required, requested, uh, to take on this endeavor. Okay. And so that was the beginning of the first Waldorf school hmm. uh, in Stuttgart, Germany. Do you know what those three and, points were? Uh, let's see. One <laughs> point was the school was to be run by the teachers. Okay. And not by uh, just a single or small body of administration. Okay. Um, uh, or, or I think what he was doing is probably protecting the school from being run by uh, corporate executives of the company. Yeah. yeah. Um, another point that he uh, requested was that it was not closed to anyone. It had to be open and available for more than just the company's employees' children. Okay. So he wanted to make it an open sourced education for the community. Okay. And I might, I might be forgetting <laughs> that. <there. laughs> That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> which, which I learned about this along the way, the way I came to all this was some of the other work that Rudolf Steiner did. He, um, being well known for his philosophies of nature and um, sustainability, he was also approached a little bit after that um, by a group of farmers in Europe and were concerned with the continual increased need for chemical fertilizers and pesticides as they had bought into this new model of chemical agriculture. They were experiencing that yields were going down and pests were getting stronger. And so they recognized they were signing up for a continual treadmill mm-hmm. of increased chemical inputs. And they asked, what can we do? How do we get back to having independency from this continual need for chemical inputs and resources? Okay. And so he gave a series of lectures to these farmers um, that outlined a sustainable approach to agriculture that um, looks at the farm as an identity and then within that identity being able to self-fertilize itself like a closed model, like a Mm. closed uh, system. Right. Um, Much like nature does 
on its own, say, in the forest. The sure. forest uh, floor provides the nutrients to the growth of the trees and the biomass that comes down from them eventually then rots and refertilizes the forest floor. Sure. And with his series of lectures, he laid out a number of approaches that this could be regained on individual farms. Sure. And, and that's what you're doing in Sacramento, was, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the birth and beginning of what's called biodynamic agriculture. Excellent. So you work with kids day in, day out while also managing a, a living farm with crops, with animals. Um, you you know, I know that every grade has a different purpose or task or engagement with the farm. Um, how do you see engaging with these natural rhythms of the earth and, and nature um, really, you know, enhancing the children's education? Well, it's a good hundred years later now. Yeah. Um, I think what Rudolf Steiner was recognizing is that the model in the family was getting further away from living close to the land and children having the experiences of being active and physically productive to the needs of the family. Sure. Um, and at that time, you know, and throughout much of our existence, children were sent away to school, away from the home and away from the farm in order to learn how to think. Hmm. Because the learning how to do was always a natural part of just being human and sure. growing up and surviving on, on this earth. Sure. And he was recognizing that the uh, increase in the Industrial Revolution, the increase in population of urban settings, we were no longer, we were beginning to lose those opportunities and experiences of teaching how to do things. And with our education system, which has been strong and profound in teaching cognitive intellectual concepts, it was now time for the schools to begin to adjust and bring these wider ranging experiences for students to begin to use their hands. Sure. Like they used to, like we used to. And so I am thankful that, um, the school that I work at, our model is a wide-ranging opportunity for students to experience plenty of indoor classroom time, but mm -hmm. also plenty of um, time spent in the arts, using their hands and fastening um, matter with tools. And then, of course, they get to come up and be with me in the garden and through the natural cycles of the earth as well as uh, the order and um, expectation that nature has in its natural laws, we are able to participate with plenty of experiences of tool use and hand um, coordination experiences sure. that I believe help the students begin to um, rebuild the experiences that bring problem-solving techniques alive. Sure, 
Sure. You mentioned also um, before the interview when you were speaking with Kirsten on my team that um, by studying nature, students, and, and I would extrapolate and say all people, can become more acquainted with their inner self and their inner voice in addition to that problem-solving you know, skills. So tell me a little bit about that vision about the inner voice and um, – and I completely agree with this, but I'd love to see how that plays out with some of the children. How do they recognize that inner voice that maybe they they hadn't listened to before after time on the sure. farm? Yeah, um, I I find it interesting that what Steiner was laying out was the need for education to be more than just learning in the head. And that we were now needing to round out experiences children would have with the ability to do. But when we talk about motivation and when we talk about um, inner drive or will forces, we are not talking about what we do on the outside. It takes that inner voice or that inner experience to motivate everyone to get up in the morning, to finish making breakfast, to clean their room or do their homework or just get themselves to work each and every day. And so that inner voice actually is what propels us to activity. And it's that inner voice that I believe through experiences out on the farm Uh with tools Uh in nature, Uh that children are becoming more familiar with hearing their own inner drives, their own motivations. They may learn on the farm that farming isn't what they want to do, (laughs) (laughs) but they will also learn that they are hearing those feelings from within themselves. And that is the beginning of that inner voice being able to attach your emotional life to your work and problem solving that are in the moment. Yeah. And it's through that conversation that we have internally that we can overcome all sorts of challenges. It's interesting because it's really on the same lines of finding your purpose. And if you don't know yourself, you can't know what you're meant to do. So you have to have that time in, you know, away from all the distractions, just communing with nature and with yourself, not be afraid to listen to that voice, to build the confidence that you have a path and, and you have to find that purpose and walk the path, you know? Um, I like to joke with some of my students. I ask them, do any of you talk to yourself? (laughs) And, you know, of course, we we get a little giggle and nobody wants to admit. (laughs) And I assure them, I don't mean talk out loud, but do you listen to your intuition? Do you listen to what you have to share with yourself? Because that is the beginning of problem-solving skills. Yeah. And so um, before we end our conversation, I just wanted to go to one thing that you had said that really moved me. Um, you said that it's amazing when we're not put in a box and are seen for who we are. And I couldn't agree more. And I feel like that's the beauty of a Waldorf education. Um, you can't be anonymous. You are seen, you are heard, you matter. And I think that is so important because if you don't know that you're important, that you matter to someone or in some community, um, that somebody notices you, 
um, that can be detrimental for a whole life. I mean, these are planting seeds, metaphor intended here, you know, that um, take root for better or for worse for, for the rest of their lives. I, I personally, myself, has learned a tremendous amount by becoming a part of the school here. As I said, I came here through um, my love and experiences in agriculture and was just excited to be able to bring that to um, school children because I felt like I had learned so much just in that first year of farming sure. that everyone should have these experiences. Yeah. And what I found coming here um, not having any knowledge of Waldorf education, not having um, this same sort of educational experience in my youth, I witnessed that the teachers that work here, the teachers involved in Waldorf education are teachers that are very concerned with the individual. Sure. Seeing the student, not seeing the class as just numbers, but right, right. everyone develops in a different route, in a different way, and at a different time. And I've learned through my colleagues here that by being able to see our students as individuals, we're able to help them meet that inner voice and that outer skill of being active and healthy and that all-important inner striving that helps them succeed in academics and beyond. Absolutely. Well, I wish I could continue talking to you all day, but I'm going to have to wrap Mm -hmm. it up. So Farmer Steve, Stephen Payne from Sacramento Waldorf School, I'd really like to thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom and your journey with us on the Make Meaning podcast. And um, I want to wish you a really happy new year. I appreciate the time to speak with you. Great. Thank Thank you for having me. Yes. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.